Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. This morning's reading is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Second reading is from Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with the awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Great. Well, we're continuing our series entitled The Big Story of the Bible, Finding Our Place in God's Story. You see, the Bible tells one big unified story that finds its climax in Jesus. And so it's the story about God and it's the true story of the world. And I invite you to find your place within the story. And today we're in Act 5, the, the story of the church, spreading the good news of the king. And today we're in scene 2, the Holy, a Holy Spirit fellowship. But I want to start with this very simple question, what is the church? What is the church? Now, I know that you know that, that the church is not the building. One of the, the, the great things about the lockdown is that everybody realizes now that the, the church is not the building, but the people. The, the our building might be closed, uh, but the church is very much open and alive. I love the, the, the slogan, the, the church has left the building. And the Greek word, ecclesia, ecclesia actually, which is often translated church in the Bible, literally just means assembly or, or, or gathering. It, it, it's, the, it's the gathering of, of, of people. And it's not a, a particular religious word. It, it can be a, a, a gathering of, of believers, or it could be a gathering of unbelievers. Uh, the word simply means a, a gathering of people. So the question is, what makes the church the church? In other words, what makes this particular gathering of people the church, while this gathering of people over here is not the church? And what makes our gathering, albeit virtually and online, but what makes our gathering the church? Is it our name, Abergavenny Baptist Church? Does that make us the church? Well, of course not. We could change the name and we would still be 
the church. So what is it that makes us the church? Well, there are two things, actually. Firstly, it's our faith in Jesus. You remember from last time that Jesus is the Lord of the church. Jesus instituted the church. Jesus commissions the church. He, he sends the church. And so the church is the gathering of people who have faith in Jesus. But the church is more than that. that, that that's not the church. Why? Well, as you remember from last time, Jesus commissions, Jesus sends the church to continue to do the work that he began. So just as Jesus extended God's kingdom by loving the unlovable, being a neighbor to the nobody, lifting up the downtrodden, healing the sick, forgiving sins, and proclaiming the good news to all, so now we, the church, have been called to continue that work of extending God's kingdom by loving the unlovable, being a neighbor to the nobodies, lifting up the downtrodden, healing the sick, forgiving sins, and proclaiming and preaching the good news. But, but how is that possible? How is it possible for, for ordinary people like you and me to continue to do the work that Jesus began? How is it possible for us to do the ministry of Jesus? Is it possible? Well, of course not. We can't. But what if the very same spirit that empowered Jesus for ministry, that very same spirit, what if that spirit came and lived in us? The spirit of Jesus. And so the second thing that makes the church the church is the Holy Spirit. We read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And then in verse 4, it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Ten days after Jesus ascended into heaven, on the day of Pentecost, one of the Jewish annual harvest festivals, about 120 men and women, ordinary men and women, Followers of Jesus gathered together in one place and the Holy Spirit fell down and filled them and the universal church was born. This was the church's birthday. You see, Jesus may have instituted the church, but it's the Holy Spirit that constitutes the church. So, what is the church? The church is the gathering of people who have faith in Jesus and who are filled with the Spirit. Okay, so it's not the most catchy of titles or definitions. Uh, if you can think of a, a, a more catchy definition of the church that includes those three elements of people, faith, and spirit, then put them in the comments below, write them in the comments below, and I would love to read it at the end of this uh, of the sermon. And so the church, as the gathering of people who have faith in Jesus, who are filled with the spirit, as that the church is the temple of God. 
Remember, just as the, the Holy Spirit filled the temple, now the Holy Spirit doesn't fill the temple anymore. The Holy Spirit fills the church. It fills us as individuals, but more so, it fills us collectively when we gather together for worship. And the temple was the place where people would go to, to meet with God. It's where you would come into the presence of God. And the temple was the place where heaven and earth would join together, would come together, like the Garden of Eden. And so when people go to the temple, they, they come into the presence of God and they get a glimpse of what heaven on earth looks like. That they get a glimpse of what new creation will look like. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, you are the temple of God and the Holy uh, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. That is what the church is. And when people look at the church, when the people, when people look at you, they should see a glimpse of of heaven on earth. Secondly, the church is the body of Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We are the body of Jesus. And collectively, when we all bring our individual gifts together, we form the body of Jesus. You see, Jesus ascended into heaven. So Jesus is no longer physically present on earth. We, the church, make Jesus physically present on earth. We, we're the body of Jesus. We, as the church, make the invisible and spiritual God physically present on earth. Just think about that for a moment. We make God physically present on earth. Just, just let that, that, that sink in. This is an extremely high calling. When people look at you, do they see God? And it's only by the Holy Spirit that this will be possible. Thirdly, the church is the bride of Jesus. Paul, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2, and, and in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul pictures the church as the bride of Jesus. This speaks profoundly about the love between God and the church. God loves us so much that he died for us so that we could be forgiven and renewed, made new again by the Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament, Israel is pictured as the bride of God. And this leads me to my, second, uh, my next point. The church is the renewed Israel. You see, Israel turned her back on God, went off her own way, and so God sent them off into exile. And they, 
they, they, they kind of died. Uh, in one sense, they, they kind of died as, as, as being Israel. They became like this valley of dry bones. And so they were waiting for they were waiting for God to fill the prophecies. The, 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 they remembered the prophets, the prophecies of, of Ezekiel, who, who, who prophesied in Ezekiel chapter 37 that God's spirit would come like a wind, and it would breathe new life into these dry bones, and they would come alive again. That they would be renewed. They would be born again. And Israel would be renewed. And that's exactly what happened at, on Pentecost. The Spirit of God came like a wind. And the church was born. So the church is the renewed Israel. And that's why Jesus has 12 apostles. They represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And Israel's vocation was always to be a renewed humanity. So the church is the renewed humanity. The, the, the renewed image of God that, that reflects God's love and God's compassion and God's justice to a broken and hurting world. And Israel's vocation was also to be a light to the nations. To, to show the rest of humanity what true humanity really looks like. And to draw them out of the darkness and into the light. That's why Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But you, that's the church, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And all of this is wonderfully depicted in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 to 47. In verse 42, we read, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were essentially devoted to three things. Firstly, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That, that's essentially the New Testament. And, and so they were a learning community that was continually learning more about Jesus and growing in their faith. Secondly, they were devoted to fellowship. Fellowship is all about doing life together and sharing with each other. And so we read in verse 44 and to 45, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to the poor. Uh, to, to give to anyone who had need. That's true fellowship. Doing life together, being generous and sharing. And that's a sign of the renewed humanity. They, they, they're no longer grasping for that fruit of autonomy. They're no longer grasping for power, but rather they're generously loving each other by sharing. And so they are a 
caring community. Then thirdly, they were devoted to breaking bread, that's communion, and to prayer. In other words, they were a worshipping community. We read in verse 46 and 47, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. They were a worshipping community. And the result, do you know what the result is of, of their faith, of, of their joyful worship, of their fellowship? Their, their, their generosity, their sharing, their, their whole new way of being human. You know what the result of that was? People were drawn to them. We read in, in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And right at the end of the passage, it simply ends by saying that, that they enjoyed the favor of all people and... The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When the church starts to truly be the church, it will be a light in the darkness and people will be drawn to it. Tony Campolo, who is a professor of sociology at Eastern University in the United States of America and also is a Baptist preacher, tells a story about a time when he went to Hawaii. And because of the, 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 the time difference, 3 a.m. in the morning felt like 9 a.m. in the morning. And so he found himself wide awake at 3 a.m. in the morning and desperate for some breakfast. The only place he could find open in Honolulu at 3 a.m. in the morning, uh, was a, a very sleazy diner down a side street that, that truly deserved the, uh, to be called a greasy spoon. And as he sat there eating his donut and sipping his coffee, in walked eight or nine provocative prostitutes. And it was a small place, so they sat either side of him. And he felt extremely uncomfortable and out of place. And he was just planning his, his escape when he overheard the, the, the woman sitting next to him saying, Tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. Her friend replied in nasty tones, So what do you want from me? Do you want a birthday party? Do you want me to throw you a birthday party and bake you a cake and sing happy birthday to you? Do you? She replied, you don't have to be so mean. I, I was just telling you, I, I don't want anything from you. I, I was just telling you it's my birthday. I mean, I mean, I've never had a birthday party my whole life, so why should I have one now? When Tony heard that, he made a decision. He waited until the woman had left. And then he spoke to Harry, the guy behind the counter. And he found out that they came into the diner every night at 3.30 a.m. And that her name was Agnes. Tony then said, Hey, Harry, what do you think about us throwing a birthday party for Agnes right here tomorrow night? 
Harry's face lit up with a big smile. And he said, that, that's a great idea. I like it. So the next morning, at 2.30 a.m. in the morning, Tony uh, arrives at the sleazy diner with a load of, of birthday decorations and, and a big sign that says, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And he decorated that place from one end to the other end and he made that place look really good. Harry had, had baked this huge birthday cake covered with candles. Harry clearly had got the word out on the street because at about 3.15 a.m., Every single prostitute in Honolulu was in that place. Tony said, it was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. At 3.30 a.m. on the dot, the door swung open and in walked Agnes and her friend. Tony had everyone ready. He was, he was kind of MC of the affair after all. Uh, And as she walks in, they all shouted, Happy Birthday, Agnes! Tony said he'd never seen anyone look so flabbergasted, so shocked. She just stood there with her, her mouth open. They all then started to sing Happy Birthday to her. When they got to the line, Happy Birthday to you. Happy Birthday, dear Agnes. Her eyes started to moist up. And when they brought out the cake with all the candles, she just lost it and began to weep openly. Harry muttered, Blow out your candles. Yo, Angus, blow out your candles. If if you don't blow out your candles, I'm going to have to blow the candles out for you. After a few moments, a few seconds, endless seconds, Harry blew out the candles. Then he took a knife and he gave it to to Agnes and said, Yo, Agnes, cut your cake. Yo, Agnes, cut your cake. We, We all want some cake. Agnes looked down at her cake. She didn't take her eyes off her cake. As she said, would it be okay if I, I, I mean, is it okay if we, if we don't eat the cake right away? I mean, is it okay if I could keep it just for a little while? Harry said, yeah, sure, it's okay. You, you can keep the cake if you want to. If you want to keep the cake, keep, keep the cake. If you want to take the cake home, you can take it home. Can I? She said, and then she looked at Tony and said, I, I, I just lived down the street a few blocks. Could I take the cake home and show it to my mother? I'll be right back. Tony, of course, said it was okay. She picked up her cake and she slowly walked to the door. Everyone stood motionless as she walked out of the door. When the door shut, there was a stilled silence in the place. Not knowing what to do, 
Tony broke the silence by saying, What do you say we pray? On reflection, he says it must have seemed rather strange for a, a sociologist to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a sleazy diner in Honolulu at 3.30 a.m. in the morning. But it just seemed like the right thing to do. And so he prayed for Agnes. He prayed for her salvation. He prayed for things to change in her life. He prayed for God to be good to her. And when he had finished praying, Harry leaned over the counter and said, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? And Tony said it was one of those moments when just the right words come to you. And Tony said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited a moment. And then he said, No, you don't. There's no such church. If there was, I would join it. I would join a church like that. Wouldn't we all? But that is exactly what the church has been called to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, won't you forgive us for all the times when we have failed to be the church. When we have failed to be the temple of God, showing people a glimpse of heaven on earth. When we have failed to be the body of Jesus, making Jesus physically present on earth, enabling people to see Jesus in us. Father, won't you forgive us? Won't you inspire us to be church? And Father, we thank you for this, this time we have to really reflect and reinvent the way we are being church. Now that we've been forced out of our buildings and, and been forced to think about how to be church in new and innovative ways, won't you give us wisdom and lead us forward to truly be your church, to truly be the temple of God, the bride of Jesus, the body of Jesus, and the renewed Israel the renewed humanity. Father, help us to be a light. Help us to shine that light in the darkness and to draw all people out of the darkness and into the light. And Father, we just realize we can't do this. We are, it's just impossible. We need you. We need your Holy Spirit. Won't you fill us afresh with your power, with your presence, with your love, so that we can be the church. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. For more information, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.